1: Welcome to the D&D Fitness Radio Podcast, brought to you by your hosts Don Saladino from New York City and Derek Hansen from Vancouver, Canada.
0: This week, like I felt like, you know, it's funny with the human body because I feel like what happens is at a certain point when you start doing something, you feel great, right? And then after a period of time, it happens to all of us. We start kind of overstaying our welcome. So like, I love running. I like doing cardio, but last week I just felt myself really exhausted. I don't know. Is it just the time of the year? Is it the fact that I came back from a trip, you know, a week after that I was exhausted from my dad's best friend died a week before that, you know, you have all these stresses that, that add up and it could very well just be that, but I, removed like aerobic work just this week. I haven't done anything since Saturday and I'm feeling like my energy starting to come back. I know it's a good decision at a certain point, you know, we like getting back on it because we like the way it, it allows us to feel, but you know, I'm wondering what you think. I'm wondering if you think most of us out there are just doing way too much of it and burning ourselves out way too much.
1: Yeah. And I mean, I think it's different if you're a, if you're a dedicated um, aerobic, you know, endurance type athlete. Um, and that's just primarily doing that. Yeah. But you're doing all this other stuff. So I think it does start to layer on top of each other. And then there is a breaking point, but if you were just doing running, maybe some circuit training, uh, you know, lighter weights and all that. But I mean, that's the same thing. Like I remember I was doing some longer runs with a client. She was an actress and she wanted to do 10 K runs. I'm like, Oh shit. Right. And that was when I was my strongest. And then I started doing these runs on top, trying to maintain my lifting, and it just killed me. Like I had injuries, I had back problems, because I just think the, there's an incompatibility that just sort of basically buries you because you can't have all these things coexist. So, so you know, together. So, so it's- and that's
0: and that's and that's a big problem, I think. With the, and I think it really comes down to also training intensity. So. If you're someone that is coming in there, taking that 80% approach, you, you definitely have probably a little more leeway. But I think like with anything else, that's why it's so difficult when someone's asking you, well, I do this And I, with this. I'm like, well, I don't know. How are you? What's going on with your sleep? What's going on with your work? What's going on with those stresses? Like, how have you been handling things lately? How have you been handling your recovery? But we're always relating things to when it's the best. Like, Oh my God. At some point when I started this, I felt great. And now I feel terrible. And you're just kind of like, all right, well, you're not always going to gradually climb, right? You're not no, and, and, gradually- and
1: you're, you were an athlete. I was an athlete. And so technology is killing me because every time I'm looking at the watch going, oh, it's got to be faster this time, or I've got to do something better. And so we we're doing these longer walks in this trail near our house, and we're trying to walk as fast as we can, right? So every time it's like, oh, what's our time at this point? Oh, there's the tree, right? What, what's our time? And, and we're like, wait a minute, just walk, like, just enjoy the walk. Right. Cause it, you get very competitive and I think it, that, you know, creates an anxiety and it just, you know, adds up. Right. And you're just like totally stressed. And <laughs> Why am I so stressed that I'm not burning fat efficiently? <laughs> you
0: no, know, it's so funny that you, that you, that you said that because, last week when i i think i got like three runs in and i went up to the track one day and i did a run at the track and normally i'm always counting laps and there's this monotony on there it's like one two and like what i do is i change lanes like every lap like i'll run in lane 1 lap 1 lane 2 lap 2 right and i'll get through you know the first 6 lanes and then i'll start back to lane 1 right so you get through you know 12 lanes and you're at three miles. It's just like it's just simple math. A lap equals a quarter mile, right? So, I would do that. And then I got up there one day, and I'm like, you know, just don't count laps. Like just like the whole idea today is to get a 30 minute steady state run. I knew where I needed my heart rate around, um, and I went in and I just kind of released the parking brake a bit and just went and found myself getting into a really nice groove. And when I get back, when I got back and looked at my first beat. Um, My intensity increased and my time um, that I ran, you know, um, I'm sorry, the amount amount of work that I got in in that time increased. And I was just like, wow, like I actually had a better run than I did the 10 previous times when I was sitting there counting and kind of being methodical a little bit. Like there is you know, just being free and and going sometimes you're absolutely right. can relieve that level of stress. And I think that that was the first thing I related it to. Like there wasn't that stress of knowing every single time, what number is it, you know? And I don't know if I, I mean, it sounds like it's, it's kind of, well, you know, I was listening,
1: there. listening to our interview with uh, David Kilgore because we, we posted that. And um, the interesting thing was, is I don't, you know, I was trying to ask him about technology and this, and you track this and, I think what makes him, you know, obviously, you know, good is that he doesn't care, right? He just goes and runs, right?
0: There's something to be said about that. I mean, even from a a nutritional standpoint, like when you, when we started asking him, I I think we asked him about nutrition and he he was like, yeah, you know, I've tried to really measure and, and do certain things. And I've just, I found myself getting worse. Like, I just, I feel like intuitively he just likes to go. And you know when he's really hungry and he's craving something, he has it. You know he's not a bodybuilder. He's not training to be on the cover of a magazine. He's training to run a distance in less time and recover more efficiently. It's really that simple for him. And some people and I had this conversation with Chronometer the other day, one of the uh, one of the people that work over there. I'm like, oh my god, it'd be so easy. Interesting if you tracked. I'm like, yeah, if he if he tracked and you were able to. Maybe get him into a caloric surplus and make sure that he was consuming, you know, in that surplus of what he's burning. Yeah, that would um, that would that would probably help him out. But like, how do you get someone into a surplus who's running 15 to 19 hours? You know, it, 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 yes. And it's not every day, but he's like when I went out and I ran four miles with him, he didn't even break a sweat. And when I say he didn't break a sweat, he did not break a sweat. And we were running in the heat. So it's kind of fascinating if you think about it. He was like, oh, no, this is great. Just great to stretch my legs out. I'm like dumping sweat and I'm like out of bed.
1: And, when, you know, and he's like, in New York City, like he lives? Yeah. Yeah. So where, where do his long runs happen? Around the perimeter? Is that the easiest way? He,
0: tra- he travels. I mean, you know, I never asked him that. I know he travels a lot. So he's always, like every time I talk, I'm like, where are you? Colorado, Florida. Like he's always mm. somewhere doing some, some run. So I, you know, I find that interesting cause he's kind of like running around the world and he's, you know, basically running around, the, running around the world. But you know, I've ran with him in the city and we literally ran right through New York city, we were running around the perimeter, we were running through the heart of it. Like we actually have that video up on our YouTube channel. It was fun because, um, you know, we're like sprinting through times square. It was like, it was a, it was a blast, but you know, you could just see, there's just such a gear there where. You know, I think he just has that mental advantage where most people out there would, would go and run, you know, six miles, seven miles and just get bored. You know, he's, you know, he's talking about getting lost for, you know, 50, 60 miles. Or I think he said on there, he goes, you know, he'll just turn around he'll get a thought in his head and the next thing you know he'll ran 15 miles. Like that's, that's fascinating. But I, I don't know, have you ever, have you ever, because he, he did talk about, you know, as you train it, it gets better and you, and you get more adapted to those conditions. But did yeah. you ever notice that when you were running distances, like it, it, it not only did it get easier physically, but mentally.
1: Uh, yeah. I'm not a distance runner by any means, but yeah, I, I think, um, you know, the acclimation thing is interesting. Um, cause I, I, you do adapt, right. If you're like, like if he trained at altitude, he'd adapt to altitude. If he trained in the desert heat, I'm sure he'd adapt, um, but I, I, I think it takes a special kind of person to, to, to last that long and endure and, and, and allow that adaptation to happen. And most people just like, forget this. You know? Uh, you know, I am moving to Seattle and I'm going to do it. Because, you know, like the, uh, a lot of distance runners go to Oregon. Because yeah. you can run long, you know, without having a lot of heat exhaustion and stuff like that. It's, it's a very temperate place to, to train, right? So that Bowerman Track Club, you know, I think they have like this almost like a track surface all through a little forest or something like that. But it's, it's very interesting, but yeah, I don't think people move to Texas to be a distance runner or, you know, some of the hotter Arizona to, you know, to train for a marathon, unless you're, unless you're kind of different. So.
0: Yeah. Yeah. No, it's definitely interesting when you're, when you're, when you're in that environment and you're doing it, especially when I was younger, it's like, I don't feel Physically, I don't feel any weaker. I don't feel like, I feel like I'm, I'm actually physically stronger and I feel like my body composition got better. But the thing I do feel the difference in is there was so much frivolous training back then where it was just like, oh, I'm going to lift and I'm going to get a run today. I'm going to get a run tomorrow. And every day was like five, six miles, six, seven miles. A couple of days a week, I'd go run 13 miles with a, with a buddy of mine. And you just run and lift heavy and run and lift heavy and run and lift heavy. And it was like, you know, you were one night's sleep away from like being completely caught up. The thing, like I never remember at that age, I think the difference now is that you'll see yourself get run down. And that's where you have to be a little bit more strategic with your training and when you're sprinkling, you know, these um, these cardio sessions. in. We're, we're back then, you're 21, 22 years old, bounce back a lot quicker. Now, I feel like that's the difference. I don't feel any like, I still know, for a fact, you can put muscle on as you age, 100 um, percent. I've been doing it, I've seen people do it. I just had a guy, um, a challenger in his 60s, go and do a deXA scan, and he showed that he was actually able to increase muscle mass. So you can, it is possible. He can He is increasing his endurance, he is increasing his mobility, but it's that recovery element. It's you know, being able to just sprinkle stuff on there just be like, oh, I'm going to just frivolously start doing this and, you know, just catch right up. We don't have the luxury of of that always happening. And I wanted to get your opinion on it.
1: Yeah, it's all, I mean, it's mental on the one hand because, you know, we, you know, I'm, you know, I go through bouts of like, okay, let's get back into lifting, especially in the winter when I can't run outside or it's not as nice to do it. So we'll go through the lifting phase and I'll notice like, Oh, okay. My clothes fit differently. And so it is possible. It's just getting into that consistent mindset around, okay, we're going to go through a cycle of whatever hypertrophy or, and I think it's just, it's so tough for people to, to commit to it. And I'm I'm thinking like going through COVID might've helped people because they Mm -hmm. had more time to focus and rediscover like training. So, you know, um, you know, uh, that's the big thing for me. And then you got to be a bit careful because, like you said, you could be a little more hazardous with what you chose and when you did it, and you no know, warm up and all that. Now it can really bite you in the butt. And I know that if I had an injury 20 years ago, I could essentially just lower the volume a bit and run through it and I'd be fine. Now I have to actually take time and make sure everything's healing. Like I'm taking, you know, a collagen supplement with vitamin C to make sure everything's, you know, repairing and stuff. And, and it does work, but you got to take your time and you can't, you know, you can't be like you used to be. Um, so it's it's interesting.
0: Yes. Yes, it is. What are you doing for, what are your recovery hacks now? What are specific things that you find yourself doing more and more?
1: I honestly, I spend more time on a stationary bike than I used to, because I find that I can get those low intensity aerobic sort of hours in and not have that impact stress right and then the walking too like we'll do these walks and we'll try to get our heart rate up to about 120 just by brisk walking and even my wife said like when she when we start doing these and there's some hills involved too so you're really working you can get up there but that low intensity work helps make everything else easier and recover yep. so it, it's and i never really did that like even when we did aerobic work when I was younger, we'd kind of push it probably too much, um, because you're thinking, Oh, more is better. And I, you know, wow, that really winded me. Like that was a good workout, but there are sort of layers and stratification of, you know, your, your exercise and you got to do this at some point. And sometimes you got to do this. And I, you kind of learn through trial and error and you, you have to adopt an intelligent approach, not a sort of cavalier approach, you know, especially as you get older.
0: I've definitely been taking um, the step portion of our day a lot more seriously. And um, especially with the with the clientele that I'm working with right now, <clears throat> they'll I'd someone reach out to me today and they're they've been upping their calories because they were in a heavy deficit. Normally, like there's a couple different things that we'll see. We, you know you might see a one to two pound increase. It's just water retention. And in the beginning, people get a little bit nervous. And then after a couple weeks of adapting, they actually see a body composition change in the right way an energy level change in the right way. And whenever I get someone who's turning around and they're like, oh, you know, gain two pounds or 10, 15 years ago, you know, I might've been like, oh, well, I'm going to take a cardio. You know what I'm saying? Now I'm like, listen, just try and get your steps in. You know, try and hit that 10K a day, try and hit that 10,000, try and make sure you're hydrated, try and make sure that you're moving around and give it a little bit of time. You know, let's see what happens over a week or two. You're not going to put on body fat in an extra week or two, but we might actually see an improvement once our body adapts. And I think steps are definitely something that uh, most people are overlooking and um, can be incredibly beneficial. And and like you said, very safe.
1: Yeah, just stay busy. It's so easy to, especially in a digital world, to think you're being productive, but you're just sitting there. And, uh, you know, you know, I'll, I will do stuff now again, because of COVID where it's about a mile for me to walk to the grocery store and I'll put a pack on and I'll do my loaded carries because I've got groceries and I'll do a mile there, a mile back and I'll go as hard as I can. And I'm like, okay, that was, you know, 4,000 steps and it was loaded. So great.
0: It's intense too. It's do you ever, do you ever go walking with a, with a weighted vest on?
1: I have, I just have a 10 pound weighted vest, but I've done yeah. it and it does make a difference. Even 10 pounds. It's one of the ones that Charlie, uh, Weingroth recommended. Um,
0: Oh, the hyperware,
1: the hyper. Yeah. I love it.
0: Yeah. They're fantastic. It almost feels like a Kevlar.
1: Yeah. You like, could take a bullet, right?
0: Yeah. No, it feels like that, but no, I, that was something Charlie got me turned uh, turned on to doing that back at drive. We would just do these lower intensity heart rate at one twenty, walking on an incline, getting your arms pumping a bit. And, um, I never really took it seriously early on, but now I'm like, wow, this is, this is pretty magical. Cause at the end of the day, what do I really want to do? Like, I, I want to be able to go into that toolbox and pull out a run once in a while. I mean, that's really my goal. Like, I want to be able to continue to weight train and move the way that I'm moving, but maybe once a week, if I can go out and just go at a really hard pace, I'd be you know super excited about that. Right. So, um, when it comes to my running career right now, I don't really, sometimes I'll start overreaching and doing more and I think that on top of all the other type of training that I'm doing, um, just starts to become a little bit too much, plus hockey, plus swinging a golf club. It just becomes a lot on on the body and I'm actually surprised my body feels as well considering the amount of activity that I do. But I mean, right now with our training, we're actually lowering the volume pretty drastically. Because we just got into a spurt where we were raising the volume and feeling so good from doing it. But then at a certain point, I think we started overreaching a bit. And then you start feeling like, oh my God, every day for like months, body was feeling incredible. Awesome. 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 Traveled to Costa Rica, lost a bunch of sleep, bunch of stress kicked in, got back, you know, had a bad night's sleep. And then out of nowhere, the snowball effect started happening. And then we just literally sat down and we're like, all right, we're going to map this out. All right. We're really cutting down on the volume all right, we're just going to go in and do a couple of feeler sets and then maybe hit like two sets per exercise because we like to just hit it hard and move on, like kind of take the attitude of, all right, you know, we hit that set hard. We're not going to be able to repeat it. Let's move on and just spend the next few weeks to month to months, month, maybe months, allowing the body to feel better and allowing the body to have a little bit more energy. And I think already in the first week of doing that, um, you're starting to feel a little bit more pop on certain lifts horizontal pressing the other day was able to kind of find a little bit of an extra gear. And you're like, all right, the energy's there. You know, deadlifting yesterday. It was like, all right. Was able to squeeze out a few more reps. So I just found, found that extra gear. But the second I was done moving on, I think that's the biggest mistake of people with their training. They start feeling good and they just want to add and add and add and add. And the first week or two, you might be feeling great from it, right? It's like, it's, it's new, you're strong, it's fresh. And at a certain point, you just start seeing that intensity drop. You start noticing that you're getting under the weight and you're like, Oh my God, I'm tired. You start moving the weight. Unfortunately, two or three weeks in, it's feeling heavier. You've been there.
1: Yeah. It's like watching Bitcoin go up and you're going, okay, at some point it's going to crash, right? Or it's going to correct. So I, I think I, what I was going to say was that when I was an athlete competitively, once the season ended, we'd give our, ourselves two to three weeks off where we did nothing. And I think maybe that's missing because now you don't have that competitive season. So you just think, oh, I just got to keep training. So people just train every day and they don't have some sort of natural, um, what would they call it? They would call it a, um, oh, a, deload? a transition phase and periodization yeah. or something like that transitional phase where you, you know do nothing, do very little. And I think that's what people might be missing now is like, I got to go, I got to go. And even, you know, you go on vacation. Oh shit. I got to find a gym when I go on vacation. It's like, well, no, just relax, man.
0: Yeah, I know. The, the tough thing for a lot of people is, you know, you start relating on how this makes you feel and you just love, you know, you love the endorphins kicking and you love just, you know, also keeps you on track and allows you to stay a little bit more healthy. You're maybe making better food decisions. And I've been there also. I mean, i I enjoy training, but when I start getting to the point where I'm just tired and I'm like, all right, like I need some time, then, you know, I I know how to downshift and I don't really get so fanatical about it where I'm like, all right, well, i want to lose everything. Where I was like 15 years ago, 20 years ago, you're a little kid and you worry about it. Now it's, you know, if I had to right now, take tomorrow and Saturday off and maybe do something really light and easy or just something movement, like I could do that no problem and not worry. I think the goal really is now, to go into your sessions and feel good during your sessions. Like that's really what my goal is. If I can go into the session and just feel, you know, feel like I did in college, feel like a monster, feel like I can move some weight. That is really all I want because I know if that's happening, it's kind of the byproduct of everything else, you know, being efficient. My sleep's good. My nutrition's good. Um, My stress levels are good. But really for me now, it's like, as much as people will look sometimes how I train and, you know, it it really comes down to energy and, um, you know, yeah, I, I do like variability in my training, not from session to session. I like coming in. I like focusing on a plan, whatever the plan's for three months, two months, four months, whatever that plan is. And I like committing to that plan. If it was a month committing to that plan and, um, changing up either when the plan's done or when you're just like, all right, I don't feel like I'm improving or um, I'm getting bored. <laughs> it's like, those are, well, I've been doing the program for two months. Can I repeat it? Is it working for you? Um, Yeah, I'm doing great. Like, I, I absolutely love it. And I'm getting stronger every day. I'm like, well, why get off of it for right now? You know, it's like, then we're, then we're okay. Um, that's why I stopped mixing in these deloads. You know, I just, I just feel like every month, turn into general pop. I remember when all these coaches used to do it every four weeks, they'd mix in a deload. And I know it's probably the right, it's probably a better to do than not to do, but if someone's cranking and they're feeling great and mentally they're like, I want to go, I want to go. Like, I don't know. I don't know how they're recovering. Maybe they need a deload every three months. You know, why am I going to say no to that?
1: Yeah. It's it's like, I'm deloading every other week. (laughs) Are you? No, I mean, I think what ends up happening is just my schedule gets busy like you and you're just like, well, I can't, I got to do a shorter training session or I got to do something alternative or just get it in. Right. So I don't know. It just, it's sort of like an organic deload known as life. Um, so, but I actually,
0: I actually will never, I'll never, um, I always make sure I leave a block open in my schedule. Like I'd rather push an appointment off to the next day. Then turn around and be like, oh my God, I don't have any time to hit it. Like if if I can't go in and do it, if I can't go in and move as long as my program's on, unless I'm taking off, if I have to, you know, if I'm like one of those people going, oh, I'm too busy today, then I've just turned into a mess. Like mentally, I'm just, I'm not all there. And you know, I just yeah. feel like, I'm just mentally, I'm just not in a good place. So that's just a conversation I was having with someone the other day. They're like, Oh, I'm just too busy. I'm too busy. I'm like, you gotta make time. Like, I remember when I was training, you know, 10, 11, 12 people a day, I would purposely not take on a client certain days because I knew it was my only time to get it in. They're like, Oh, you're making less money. I don't care. Like it's, it's, I, I need that for myself. Part of my survival.
1: I got a question for you. You don't have to answer it, but you know, it's been a week now. And I was thinking of you because I was watching all these 9-11 documentaries on Netflix and all HBO. There was a yeah. whole bunch of them. And I was thinking about 20 years and what has happened in 20 years. And I, obviously, you must have thought about all that stuff and what you were yeah. doing 20 years ago and how things yeah. have changed in the last 20 years. Like, what, well, what kind of went through your head? This will probably air, you know, two weeks after. Right. You know, but,
0: you know, it, it's it's weird because every every day, every day every every day every uh, not every day every year at that time on that date every year you wake up and you kind of have that same feeling it's like an eerie feeling like you almost get a chill and um, you know right around 9am is when like 8:30 9am is when i think it really starts hitting me even before that you, you you a little bit you start thinking like of the preparation of what these terrorists were doing and how they were preparing and the families getting on the planes and you know people going down to the trade center and getting their morning coffee and riding the elevator up and i remember actually walking around the trade center i think it was a week i think it was the tuesday before if i recall correctly i thought 9 11 happened on a tuesday yes and i do remember that because i remember my client i was training then she was a tuesday thursday client uh she worked out at around 9 a.m um, I remember the Tuesday before that I was walking down, um, by the trade center with my buddy, Sean, and I remember walking next to the, the towers and we looked up and it was so, it, it's so massive. I was down there hundreds of times. Cause I, I, you know, I worked down there a lot. And, um, I remember we started talking about that, that nut that tried to, um, that uh parked a bomb in the garage whatever it was it was like uh, years earlier and we started like and we looked and we're like what lunatic thinks that they-? We, we actually started like not making a joke about it but like how would you this building you can't blow it like, what are you coming in with a an m made and blowing this building up like how much explosive did we actually got on that conversation which talk about ironing never thinking anything like that would happen and, and never thinking like you know, running planes in the building, they bombed the building. I mean, it was a, it was, it was a bomb. Like there's your, there's your bomb. And I mean, they executed it. I, I, I think they accomplished what they wanted to accomplish, but uh, it's just such a disgusting day for me. I mean, when you say, remember, it's just that you get all these feelings and you remember everything. Um, I mean, I, I remember, I, I, I remember like the music being played. I remember, um, the owner of the training ground Pat Malone I remember all of us running in front of the TV for the first um, bombing and then going and then just thinking like oh what what a what a tragedy you know' and thinking I remember uh, initially thinking it was like a Cessna they were like a plane hit the towers so yeah. like, oh my god it's a Cessna thinking to myself how big's a Cessna I remember just like I remember pro- trying to process like as um you're we going down the wall I was like all right how big's a Cessna Would that have taken out one, like a portion of one floor? Would it have taken out, you know, two stories? Is it that big? Like, oh my God, like, I I hope no one was by the window. I hope everyone was like, you know, someone must have died. Like, and you just start thinking all these terrible things. And then when you got down and you heard it was a 727, you were like, how does that happen? How does a 727 make that type of mistake? How does it get that close to the building where it's going to make that type of mistake? And you, you still can't process it and then when you go back upstairs and you start working and you have this disgusting feeling in your stomach when the second one hit it just it like you just went blank you just didn't even under, like didn't understand what you just heard how is this possible like two accidents in a row like stupid things are going through your head like not even processing that this was deliberate and then right after that when the pentagon got hit then you were like holy shit we're under attack and then like, at that point, I remember turning around to one of my clients, it was like, whatever it was, however much time later and being like, I'm done, I'm not, I'm not staying at work. I'm going, I'm going home. And I remember as I was walking down from 72nd street, calling my friends, I had one of my best friends worked the MetLife building. A couple of my friends were training downtown. We were all kind of trying to connect with each other. Couldn't even really get in touch with all of each other. Stuff was going on with cell towers. And I remember going down to my building. And uh, I lived on the forty seventh floor, and I had a view of downtown, and I had a view of the West Side, and I was on Fifty Seventh Street. I remember I was able to go up to my room, but they wouldn't allow us to go to the rooftop at that time. Or, or I went up to the rooftop, and they made me leave. But I just sat there, and you just saw smoke, right? And then um, it was just, it was just, it was um, at that point. I remember nine months after, I did not hear a car horn for nine months. There wasn't one horn honking there was no hostility in the city. It was just, it was like the balloon was deflated. Everyone was just numb. And I was getting in the cabs, there were no Ubers back then. I was getting in the cabs and the cabs, the interior of the cabs were on several occasions were lined with American flags. And I'm literally sitting on this American flag in the cab and the guy like opens the window and he's like, I love, you know, I, I, I love this country. I love being here. And I was like, listen, I'm not, I'm not coming after you. I felt, I felt terrible. Like you hear stories of people beating the crap out of cab drivers and gas station parking lots because, you know, of where they were from and you hear all these terrible things and you wonder, and you don't wonder why they're scared shitless. So yeah, I mean, it is, it's, um, and everyone knew someone in the building. I mean, I had a friend of mine who turned down a, um, a deal to work at Canner. He had the, um, he had the contract and decided not to go work there and he still sleeps on that contract puts it underneath his mattress to this day, wife, kids are getting married. Like he's, he's an older gentleman, but he still sleeps with that contract under his bed. Just as like a reminder, he just leaves it there for some reason. But um, just kind of a reminder, like, you know, you dodged one here and um, knew he knew so many people who passed away. One of my old clients actually was the CEO of a, uh, of um, Oh God, it was a, um, it was a company. It, it was on the, um, on one of the top floors and he went to play and his name is Jimmy Dunn. And I'm trying to think what the, uh, Sandler O'Neill, he was CEO. I think he was the CEO of Sandler O'Neill and he went to play in like an amateur golf event that day and he lost his entire firm. Wow. His, His best friend, everyone, his business partner, everyone was, was gone. So you hear stories like that and you're like, Oh my God, like, just a terrible, it's traumatic when I'm talking about it and I'm not trying to be, but you just kind of fall into this little bit of a tunnel. Like in that, how I just told that story, it's how I told it in 2002, 2003, it, it hasn't changed. It'll never change. You know? Yeah.
1: And I mean, in the weeks after, like, how did, did it, how did it change your day to day? Did it change or did you, did you just go back to work and
0: you went back to work? You just, yeah. it was new, it was New York. You, you just went back to work and you push through and, you know, you heard some crazy stories. I actually started working at the Ritz-Carlton Battery Park South. It was supposed to open November of 2001. Um, And that was uh, probably a thousand yards from the towers. So one of my buddies was the head of construction and they had to immediately bring him down there to assess the building. And he said there was just bodies everywhere, limbs everywhere. It was just absolutely terrible. But um, we—I just remember the smell in the city. It just—it smelled like someone kind of lit plastic on fire, and that smell stuck with you for almost a year. Every day you walked outside, and you just felt like you were breathing in this chemical. And um, then downtown, it's like you couldn't get downtown for a long time and then they you know their efforts to start cleaning it up took i mean oh my god i mean i can't remember how much time it took but even to this day when you go down there and you look at where brooks brothers is you look at the buildings across the street and there's shrapnel marks in the buildings like there's still holes in some of the buildings like, there's just certain things they weren't able to clean up and yet and yet and you see it down there but um everyone had a everyone had to you know i think it might have been something where people might have shut down for a day or two if i recall but i think it was like the show had to go on like it was was new york city like you gotta push on you gotta get back at it gotta it it really was incredible to see how everyone just you know here you just lit the city on fire and then they just put you know Had to go back at the next day and just start moving along. Um, it's a strong city. People are really strong. They're really tough in there, but, uh, yeah. Do you know people anything. who, who uh,
1: work in the new building?
0: Uh, do I know people who work in the new building? the so, top of my head. I can't even think of that. I'm sure. Yeah. I'm sure. I'm sure. I mean, I remember in the beginning of people were very hesitant to go in and they were very hesitant to go up to a top floor, but, um, And then I I think what I did hear happen were because so many firms were just wiped out and their computers were wiped out and their whole like infrastructure was wiped out. Like they had to now start setting up hubs in like Long Island City or hubs in New Jersey. And they had like, they didn't have just one office now. They probably took a smaller office and multiplied it by two just so God forbid something ever happened, they could send someone off, you know, or- you know, I think you just prepare. It's like, it's like with the, um, it's like with Hurricane Sandy. It's the last time they were ever putting uh, transformers in the basements of these buildings, right? It's like these floods came in. Uh, you know, we saw it at my building. We were down at 88 Granite Street and we came out to Long Island. I'm trying to think when Hurricane Sandy was, was that oh, 2011, 12? And um, we came out to the island for the weekend. We were staying at my parents' house with the kids. The kids were really young. And uh, probably four and five, and when the hurricane was coming in, we were like, "Oh, should we go back to the city? Like it's New York. Like a hurricane comes to the city, it's like, all right, stay in your apartment. You're fine. Food's open. You can still get around. Transportation, it's fine." It got worse. It got hit worse in the city than it did in Long Island. It was it was bizarre. So we stayed in Long Island because my parents were there. And then we got a call the next day, and they were like, "No, this was I think October of." of 2012 i i think and they were like no you're gonna buildings to be closed till may of, of next year And you're like may like how the hell kids are gonna go to school we're like wait a second they're like well the city's gonna give you like an allowance to stay in a hotel and we were like uh-uh like our kids are in the school system out here we stayed in um in an area of, of my parents home and we just kind of made it made it happen and um it was we were really fortunate but you know we had to sell our apartment. That took like a year. It was like a transition period, but our building got flooded. They said 30 feet of water, that water went down three, um, flights and completely like the gym was in the basement. They said you could have swam down the staircase and swam through the gym. I mean, it was talk about flood. I mean, the building was wiped out. The elevators were down for, for months and it was just, um, you know, these things happen and the city just like adapts. Like, okay, can't do that again. It's crazy. I mean, do you guys ever, I mean, what's the worst thing weather wise, you guys don't get bad weather in, in, no. in Vancouver.
1: Yeah, no, no, it's raining and that's about it. Right. There's, you know, we, you know, we might have uh you know, a, a 4.0 earthquake for like five seconds. And then that happens like 10 years later again. So yeah, it's, it's we're, we're pretty soft here compared to you guys. And even just seeing like the, the subways get flooded a couple of weeks ago. That was crazy. I'm like, oh.
0: that was, that was, that was awful. Um, I think they said a couple someone, did someone drown in the subway system? Ugh. Someone might've drowned. I mean, it, it actually did happen at Sandy where a, a parking attendant ran down in the parking garage and like shut himself in a car. thinking He'd stay dry. And it actually, the whole, he drowned the whole garage. <laughs> flooded. I mean, you hear these stories and what was insane was I remember the next day after Sandy, I mean, we, we pivoted to Sandy now, um, the next day, I drove in the city to check on drive. And I think I came through the, no, oh, I didn't go through the, uh, I don't know if I came through the Midtown Tunnel, but I remember where, where I, it might've been the Midtown Tunnel, or the it was either the Midtown Tunnel or the Williamsburg, but I remember when I was driving from, looked fine. And then when I crossed the drive, I saw things affected a little bit. Then when I got through like Tribeca, there were cars that were up on the sidewalk. I mean, the streets were flooding so much that the cars moved over onto the sidewalk. So there were people uptown who were like, yeah, we're fine. Like, food's fine. We haven't lost power. And downtown was a war zone. It's just, it's incredible that, that, that an island that's that small, I mean, New York City's what, 13 miles long or something to that effect, a couple of miles wide. It's like, it, it was literally like you were in different countries. Um, but you know, unfortunately.
1: <laughs> but you gotta go to but,
0: gotta yeah do that well,
1: uh, does that mean you totally rule out opening a new uh, brick and mortar gym in new york I'm city not, i mean
0: i'm not i don't think i'm doing that anyway i don't think <laughs> I'm, i don't think I'm, i don't think i'm doing that anyway i'm yeah. enjoying what i'm doing now and i'm uh enjoying you know just there's there was a lot about it that i loved but uh i think that it gave me a lot but i think the bad at this point the bad outweighed the good yeah, You know, just even, even that commute, like three hours a day commuting, you know, it's just, that's, that's, that's hard on the body and, you know, wanting to be around your family a little bit more. And, you know, a lot of the landlords are very difficult and, you know, what do you have to go through with them? And it's just, it's very, I did it for 15 years. I don't have to prove anything anymore. It's not like I went in for a year and it was like, oh, I was in a year and didn't like it. And like, I have some type of a chip on my shoulder that didn't, I was 15 years is a long time. It's time to go do something else.
1: Yeah. Yeah. You've, you've checked
0: off that box. <laughs> I'm, I'm good. But we, but we did have fun in there. I mean, there was a lot of, I mean, you were in there for a bunch of, I mean, you spent what six weeks in there with me
1: at one point oh, at least. Yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah, I was there quite a few times. Yeah.
0: That was amazing. I mean, I was laughing when you, when you came in, it's like uh, Derek comes in, Derek, I'd never met Derek, shake his hand. next thing you know, Derek's teaching every day. Next thing you know, Derek has two dozen treadmills of true Form showing up. I'm like, oh, I like this guy. This is fun, <laughs> running, uh, you know, running courses. When Derek left, I mean, everyone was like, everyone was miserable. They're like, Derek's gone. What are we gonna do? I was like, it was just, you know, it was great having you in. Obviously, you had to get back to your family, but um, those are the things. I think those are the things I'll I'll miss. Like the people. That was fun.